here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Man, Manoshevitz, we got a lot to cover. The media, you want to know why so many tens of millions of Americans have nothing but contempt for you? Because we're seeing our fellow Americans having to flee about one quarter of the United States geographically. Millions. Because their lives, their property, their livelihoods are threatened by Mother Nature. And MSNBC and CNN and the Democrats are already blaming Trump. We all know that natural disasters like this are horrific. We all know that government at all levels cannot possibly protect everybody. We also all know that it is the responsibility of first responders in all of our communities and states, local firefighters, local emergency personnel, local law enforcement, and so forth, to be on the spot. It is impossible for the federal government to be everywhere with the kind of personnel and resources that are necessary to address these natural disasters. We're not even 100% certain at this hour exactly where it's going to hit. And then you have these political ambulance chasers and these media ambulance chasers who are already positioning themselves to attack the president. Look at this situation in Puerto Rico. We all saw it. We all were alive when it took place last year, the hurricanes. It got two hurricanes. It's an island. Local government is corrupt. The state government is incompetent. The public electric utility system, incompetent, disastrous, long before there were hurricanes. FEMA poured enormous resources into Puerto Rico. Over 3,000 people died. So you have that equation. True, true natural disasters. On an island, accessible only by ships and aircraft. Terrible government leaders, so-called. And Trump is to blame. And Trump is to blame. $10 million was moved out of FEMA to give additional assistance to ICE by the administration. You've heard this all day. Well, the Department of Homeland Security just said that had nothing to do with disaster relief. It was a different part of the budget. So by the time the facts catch up with the hysteria, the hysteria that is is promoted by the provocateur media and the Democrats, they say the same thing, do they not? It's almost too late. 
it's almost too late. I'll give you a prime example. The FEMA administrator, his name is Brock Long, and apparently this guy is enormously competent. And he's on with Andrea Mitchell today. Now, these, these FEMA folks are on TV, not because they're politicians, but because they're trying to warn people about what's coming as best as they can assess it. As best as they can assess it. And you know what's interesting to me? We talk about the role of the federal government. The federal government definitely has a role in this. It's not a first responder role, but it has a significant role. Not in redistributing wealth, but in protecting the American people as best as they can. But the first responsibility is at the local level. The first the responsibility is at the state level. That's where the resources are. That's where the people are. That's where the agencies are. That's why you don't have federal police force, a federal police force with federal cops on the beat. There is no such thing. That's why you don't have federal firefighters. Well, there are some uh, for, uh, for federal lands and so forth, but you don't have the federal firehouse in your community the vast majority of you, and there's a reason for that. When you call 911, federal ambulances don't show up at your door. It would be incredible. It would be absolutely impossible to have this kind of federal presence in every single community. And we don't even want it. We don't even want it. So we have a true natural disaster, which is going to be horrific for many people, and is already for many people. Some homes, maybe many, are going to be absolutely wiped off the face of the earth. Same with many businesses. Many communities are going to take a decade to recover. And in Washington, D.C., they talk politics. And in the media... With Washington-based reporters, the Washington-based reporters are talking politics. Now, there are some really true, excellent reporters who go out into these storms and report what's going on. I have nothing but admiration for those people. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people like Andrea Mitchell. So listen to this, hat tip daily caller. This is Brock Long, the FEMA administration on MSNBC today with Andrea Mitchell. Cut four, go. You know, when infrastructure is not working, it leads to more deaths. And there's a big discrepancy between direct deaths of how people died from the wind or the water or, or buildings collapse versus the long-term secondary or indirect deaths that occurred over a six-month period. And a lot of that can be tied to a very weak infrastructure that we work around the clock in Puerto Rico to fix. And the governor knows that. And many of the municipalities understand that, too. And uh, if you want a true story, go, go talk to some of the 1,800 Puerto Ricans that we've hired to be part of this team to build a new future for Puerto Rico. Well, we've had teams down there nonstop, Gabe Gutierrez and a lot of others, but the fact is, just as after Katrina, where there was terrible infrastructure in parts of New Orleans, uh, that is a federal responsibility. These are American citizens. Uh, No, you're actually wrong on that. It's not a federal responsibility to uh, upkeep the infrastructure. Actually, most of the infrastructure in this company is owned by the private sector. FEMA doesn't control uh, the By the way, he meant in the country. Most of the uh, infrastructure in this company is owned by the private sector. Not FEMA. Go ahead. 
And if you remember, uh, when I went back for the third supplemental after Congress, I had to ask for special authorities that's never been done before to fix the deferred maintenance uh, or the, the infrastructure well, that was allowed to rot. But, so, but the emergency so rescue is the federal responsibility, is the point I'm trying to make. She won't even let him finish because she's not trying to make a point. She's arguing with him. She's arguing with him. FEMA is not in control of the local sewer systems. FEMA is not in control of the, uh, of the, of the various uh, infrastructures in most communities. It's the Federal Emergency Management Administration. It's supposed to manage, coordinate federal aid to localities and states that are hit by natural disasters and so forth. They're not the first responders. And yet, Andrea Mitchell is intentionally pushing out uh, ignorance. Said if there's any blame, it's on Trump. One week of the McCain memorial service about Trump. Everything's about Trump. Jeff Mar- Merkley is a senator from Oregon. So when the president said, look, we did everything we could in Puerto Rico, it was outstanding what we did. He means from a federal response perspective. Here's what took place with Andrea Mitchell and the senator. Go ahead. Do you think that it's FEMA's, I mean, his point, Brock Long's point, is that it's not FEMA's job, that they have decaying infrastructure. Do you think Puerto Rico is being treated differently because even though they're American citizens, they're viewed as an island offshore that people don't okay, have to Okay, so this is not really a question. This is a lecture with a question mark behind it. And this, more and more, is what reporters do in Washington, D.C., Go ahead. Is there a double it's, standard, clearly? It's absolutely clear. I came back realizing that a major reason that so much was being done so slowly is that, that Puerto Rico does not have a voting voice in Congress, not in the House, not in the Senate, and maybe there maybe there should be a an individual. Maybe we need to revise and make sure that uh, all of the American cities that, that are in the additional... You know, this is, this is really loathsome. Because the American people, and that includes, obviously, the people in Puerto Rico, they are American citizens. The American people rally. The Red Cross rallies, all the charitable groups rally, the National Guard rallies, uh, police forces rally, um, every kind of organization that is trained, professionals rally all over the country to help different parts of our country, which includes Puerto Rico, just as we rally to help other countries, people outside our country. We even send people to war to protect other people outside our country. And look at this. Look at how they've twisted the history of what took place in Puerto Rico in order to make a point, in order to condemn the president of the United States. Absolutely disgraceful. I'll be right back. Administrations, I can tell you that. It really has. Um, but again, they're they're preparing to call Trump a racist, of course. Ken Starr. Ken Starr was supposed to be on this program today, wasn't he, Mr. Producer? We locked him in a day or two ago, didn't we? 
and then at the last minute they decided they can't come on today. They would have to come on another day, correct? Okay. That means forget it. But my old buddy Ken Starr had time to be on the morning Joe this morning on MSNBC. And what his publicist doesn't understand is we have far more listeners than they have viewers. But that's okay. It's probably wise for my old friend Ken Starr not to come on the program. I would have been very professional and respectful because I believe he deserves that. I really do. I like him very much. But let's listen to some of what Ken Starr had to say when he was with the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo, Mika Brzezinski. Cut 10, go. Can a president be indicted? And if the answer is yes, why are so many people calling this a question they can't answer? (laughs) Well, I think a president can be indicted, but that is not the position of the Justice Department traditionally going back to the Nixon-Ford era and continuing through President Clinton's uh, tenure. And the authoritative within the Justice Department view is set forth in an Office of Legal Counsel opinion during the Clinton administration in uh, the year 2000. And so the uh, basic point is we do not have an authoritative resolution on the issue. My point is, as I describe in the book, the Supreme Court of the United States, in the case of Clinton versus Jones, the Paula Corbin Jones case, determined unanimously that the president is subject to civil litigation. Well, if anything is clear to me, the public policy concerns underlying and informing the criminal justice system are even stronger. All the arguments President Clinton made with respect to, I've been busy, I have these heavy responsibilities, and no one gainsays that. Of course, it's absolutely true. And we should be very careful and respectful of the president's schedule and the like. But no one is above the law, and so in my judgment, the president can, in fact, uh, be uh, indicted. But it cannot happen, as I see it, under Mm -hmm. just... Go ahead policy as uh, that's enforceable uh, on Bob Mueller. All right. Well, Ken, you didn't read that memo, apparently. The memo from 2000 that was issued by the Department of Justice. If you read it, they address the issue of civil litigation versus criminal litigation. And um, you see, civil litigation, ladies and gentlemen, is not about imprisoning somebody thereby decapitating the executive branch and the commander-in-chief. It's not about removing a president via a conviction and a sentence by a federal judge, which would also raise serious separation of powers issues. Civil litigation does not, in my view. So it's not about defending your physical freedom. Is the president supposed to be president behind bars? There's all kinds of protections in our Constitution involving criminal cases. Take a look at the Bill of Rights. Criminal cases. And so, clearly, there's a difference between criminal litigation and civil litigation. And every litigator knows it. President is the only federal official elected by the entire country. And if he's forced to defend his innocence, he's defending it not against some civil charge or monetary charge or what have you. He's defending his innocence and his liberty and his ability 
to actually serve as commander-in-chief and the chief executive. No other person is in that position. No judge, no member of Congress. And then there are questions if that door is thrown wide open. We have over 90 United States attorneys, 93 of them. Are they all able to indict a sitting president of the United States? Doesn't necessarily take much to indict somebody, you know. Can they indict them for any type of crime? There are felonies and then there are felonies. Imagine if this Pandora's box actually were to be opened. Am I the only one that thinks about the precedential consequences of this when it comes to our constitutional republic? And my personal opinion on whether a president should be indicted or not is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The Justice Department, the Office of Legal Counsel under Nixon and Clinton happened to be correct. It is not the place of a prosecutor to do that which the Constitution only empowers the Congress to do. That is to remove a sitting president. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Now, uh, one more question is asked of, of Ken Starr, relevance to events that are taking place, and that is Ken Starr on the morning schmo, with Mr. and Mrs. Schmo. Can a president be subpoenaed? Can a president be subpoenaed? Cut 11, go. Uh, I'm curious what what your opinion is about uh, a president's ability to just ignore a, a, a subpoena from a federal court if he chooses to. Well, I love Rudy, but uh, Rudy was right then, and as I describe uh, in the book, uh, the takeaway from the book is Rudy is not correct uh, now. Uh, it is, in fact, uh, the, the, the case, as I describe in the book Contempt, that the president is subject to subpoena. All right, let's stop. Ken, you're not a judge. You're not a Supreme Court justice. The question Scarborough asked wasn't whether you could, uh, process-wise, trigger the issuance of a subpoena. The question was, 
about the pre- quote, the president's ability to just ignore a subpoena from a federal court. That was the question. And the more particular response should be, it depends on the subpoena. If the subpoena is for documents, we know in the Nixon case with the tapes, the Supreme Court has ruled yes. But as for the physical appearance of a president in front of a grand jury or some um, alternative, such as the physical interviewing of a president or commanding a president to answer questions, you know full well, Ken, that's never happened. Well, it happened in your case with Clinton because that's the deal you cut with Clinton. But in terms of an adjudication of that issue, that's never happened, ever. Because most prosecutors would never try it. Go ahead. We were pushed back and, uh, by the White House during the Lewinsky phase of the investigation. We invited the president through letters five times to come before the grand jury and to give an account before the grand jury. Push back, push back. And so I authorized the issuance of a subpoena promptly with his very able lawyers from Williams and Connolly. We reached a resolution that is now part of history. His yes, famous- you reached a resolution because Clinton actually was uh, and had committed perjury and obstruction. Now, Trump hasn't committed anything. Trump hasn't done anything. To question the President of the United States about a presidential prerogative, to have an inferior employee, if in fact he is, question the President of the United States, his boss, about a decision that a president has every right to make under Article 2. He is the executive branch, such as the firing of the FBI director. It's absolutely not the same thing as what you're talking about, Ken Starr. And you damn well know it. And you know it. So the nature of the subpoena, is it a deuces take-em subpoena? What is it? What is the subpoena seeking? The physical presence of the President of the United States in front of a federal grand jury to answer questions about his prerogatives? No, a president is not required to comply with that. He should fight it all the way to the Supreme Court. And that's exactly what we're talking about in the Mueller case, which is quite distinct from the Clinton case. But Scarborough, he doesn't care. And Brzezinski, she doesn't give a damn. So what Clinton did... Under that fact pattern, as the law applies, has nothing to do with Donald Trump's situation. Nothing. So I wanted to clarify that. It's too bad Ken Starr wasn't here to discuss this uh, one-on-one. I would have loved to have done that. But it just wasn't in the cards, apparently. Wasn't in the cards, apparently. Let's take a few calls on these various issues. David, Spring Hill, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Doing great. I'm doing great, Mark. First of all, a very good year. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, funny that you should mention and talk about Ken Starr. I had a tie-in there. Uh, Ken Starr interviewed my for her college interview many, many, many years ago. He's a very good man, by the way. A very nice man. He is. He was. And uh, so this is not a personal put down in any respect. This is just a strong difference of opinion on a professional level. 
Well, the other thing is that I'm a Philadelphia area boy like you. I believe we went to the same high school and college, probably right around the same time. Well, where did you go? Uh, Central High School. No, I went to Cheltenham. Oh, you went to Cheltenham. That's right. That's right. You went to Cheltenham with Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, he was a little ahead of me, but not much. And what college did you go? I went to Temple University. Yeah? And how old are you? Pennsylvania. How old are you? Um, I just turned 76. You're a little younger than me. Yeah, a little younger. All right, go right ahead, my friend. Those were the days when Central used to try to beat Cheltenham in football, (laughs) and it never happened. (laughs) Never happened is right. At any rate. Uh, I'm uh, calling about uh, the comments people are making about FEMA and who's responsible for what. There happens to be a law, okay, um, called the uh, Stafford Act of 1974. It's been in effect in many, many years, and it governs emergency management and public and uh, private responsibilities in emergencies. And it is very clear that the Stafford Act spells out who is responsible for what. The Stafford Act, in, co- in conjunction with the Constitution, says the federal government cannot come in and take over your county, state, municipal, any other public entity at all. Everything there, pretty much everything that goes on, is responsibility of that lowest political subdivision. And that's in this, the law called the Stafford Act, okay? Now, why is that the law? And by the way, Stafford was a liberal Republican senator who served for a long time from Vermont. Tell me why... Why is that the law? Why would Congress make that the law? Well, here's the concept, and it's a difficult one for many people to grasp in this day and age. But the lowest lowest level of responsibility for emergency preparedness for yourself, your family, and your community rests with the individual, with the individual person. That's why FEMA always says, people say, well, have three three days' worth of food. But emergency managers say, well, we can't get to you in three days. There's no guarantee. Have at least a week's worth of food, okay? So, so the person, the individual, the family is responsible for their particular uh, safety. But let's talk about levels of government, the Stafford Act. Why, why would the federal government say, and basically reinforce, underscore the fact that, you know, the local government, then the state government, these are the first responders. Now, why would they say that as a matter of law? If the person can't help themselves, who do they call? They call 911. They want the fire department to come out. Okay? Fire department can help them as much as they can. If the fire department can't help them, they go back to the next municipality, which in many cases is a county or a parish in some states. Okay? And they go there for help. If the county or parish doesn't have the resources, and it's all based on the resources to help, then they can go to the state government. They call the state government Division of Emergency Management. And you you were an emergency manager. I just want to be clear with everybody. The federal government doesn't own those fire trucks. The federal government doesn't own those cruisers. The federal government doesn't own those ambulances or other transport vehicles. The federal government is not there. They try to forward uh, uh, place and plan uh, resources and so forth, but it is simply impossible for the federal government to be the first responder in the vast majority of these cases. And that's why it goes to the individual, then to the county, then to the state. If the state needs help, they call, and most states have are in an area compact with four, five, six, seven states that, that touch each other geographically and can help each other, just like you were talking about the electric companies. Um, when the electric companies go out and help each other, 
during uh, during uh, situations that the one can't handle. It's neighbor helping neighbor. So states help each other. If the states can't handle the emergency, whether it be flooding or food or tornadoes or whatever it might be, they call FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and they do what they can, but they are not McDonald's, and they are not Burger King, and they are not Walmart, so they can't provide gasoline and water, and and they're not charged to do that. Basically, it's out of the goodness of the hearts of the administrators and the Congress who allow FEMA to go in and provide food, clothing, shelter, along with voluntary organizations who are active in disasters, VOAD, Salvation Army, Red Cross, many, many, many others. Okay? All right, my friend. Very, very helpful. I appreciate it, David. And you might want to get a dog, by the way. But thank you for your call. It is very important to understand. First responder. Look what happened on 9-11. I mean, the federal government has FBI here and there and the U.S. Marshals here and there and ICE here and there and so forth and so on. But we have local police forces, local emergency personnel, local firefighting departments, and on and on and on. And that should be the first responsibility of all these local governments. But a lot of these local governments do the same thing as the federal government. Quite frankly, they piss away the tax dollars. They're involved in all kinds of things they shouldn't be involved in, and they don't really put the money where it belongs. With the firefighters, the cops, the emergency personnel, the infrastructure, and so forth and so on. But that said, uh, again, there's, there's only so much any government can do, let alone the federal government. You know, people ask me about I talk about this Patriot Supply all the time, and I'm not doing this to hawk it in any way. But here in my own household, uh, in, our, in, in my, another house that I have, we make sure we have what we think we need. It doesn't mean we will. I mean, some disasters are so massive, it may just not matter. But we have them. Because I don't expect... FEMA to just fly in here an hour, two or three when there's 150 mile an hour winds and to be able to do anything. Or if there's an earthquake or something of that sort. You've you've got to try and fend for yourself, number one. And then number two, it is the local first responders who have the responsibility. And they have that responsibility not because of some theoretical reason, because as a matter of fact, they're there. Or they can get there faster than anybody else. So when you have these national reporters and national politicians going on and on, I don't think Trump's ready to FEMA, they know that these massive natural disasters are going to cause enormous damage, enormous dislocation, electricity cut off for days, food supplies cut off for days, water systems poisoned with sewage and so forth. And so. They know it. And so what they want to do is attack prior to the election. This is why you hate politicians. This is why you hate the media. And for damn good reason. Even when it comes to this Hurricane Florence, they're playing politics. They're positioning themselves. It's disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a couple of years now. 
I'd pick it over every mattress I've ever had. It helps me get the best night's sleep, period. I want you to try Casper. You're going to love yours, too. In fact, we have six of them, as you know. Six of them. And two for our dogs, Barney and Marty. Casper is a high-quality mattress at an affordable price, and I sleep cool and comfortably every night thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how-they-do-that-size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it and refund you everything. From its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights, it's no wonder Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights, absolutely risk-free. Go to Casper.com and use code MARK for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. That's Casper.com, code MARK, for 50 bucks towards the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. Next hour, I want to get into John Kerry colluding with the Iranians. But there's an odd kind of story, and I'll keep this short because it doesn't deserve a whole lot of attention. But since Michael Needham, the chief of staff to Marco Rubio, tweeted something rather odd, I feel I need to mention it. I saw this piece today, and it's from The Hill, so it's suspicious because I don't trust The Hill newspaper. It's largely left, other than Joe Concha and a few others. Rubio praises Dolphins player who takes knee for his community service. I said, well, I like Marco Rubio. I do. I like him a lot. I don't always agree with him, but I like him. I said, what the hell is this? Well, this is how they report it. Senator Marco Rubio on Wednesday offered praise for Miami Dolphins wide receiver Kenny Stills, who's garnered attention for taking a knee during the national anthem at games to protest social injustice. No NFL player does more community service than Kay Stills of the Miami Dolphins, Rubio tweeted Wednesday, sharing a tweet from Stills while lauding the player's charitable work. You don't have to agree with how or why he has chosen to exercise the First Amendment before every game to acknowledge the hours he gives voluntarily on his day off to serve his fellow Americans. And there are any uh, links to photos of Stills doing exactly that. It goes on later. um, Rubio's previously defended Colin Kaepernick, who was the first NFL player to take a knee during the anthem to protest police brutality and other social issues. The GOP senator told TMZ Sports in May that Kaepernick, who has remained unsigned since the end of 2016 season, deserves to be on a team. Look, I support his right to stand for what he does. I don't agree with what he did, but I support his right to do it. Now, I will admit the Hill is a little misleading of that. Here's what I found bizarre. I tweeted, bizarre, Marco. This has had nothing to do with the First Amendment. He tweets out, you don't have to agree with how or why he has chosen to exercise the First Amendment before every game to acknowledge the hours he gives voluntarily on his day off to serve his fellow Americans. This has nothing to do with the First Amendment. The NFL is not the federal government. They could fire him tomorrow if they wanted to. This isn't a First Amendment violation. So, Mr. Needham, I would recommend you pull out the Constitution and reacquaint yourself with it. Because Mr. Needham tweeted out, Deliberately misleading, Mark. Well, what's deliberately misleading? What's misleading at all? Yeah, I didn't even think I was that harsh on Marco, who I like. I just thought it was a bizarre tweet. This has nothing to do with the First Amendment. Zippo. And by the way, 
I also don't believe it's the business of politicians telling anybody the NFL that maybe Kaepernick deserves a job or so forth and so on. I have no problem with NFL owners getting together and saying, you know, we don't want to hire this guy. Well, that's collusion. I don't care. They're trying to protect the league. Reputation of the league. They're in business. You're the consumer. You're the customer. Not Kaepernick. And I would remind everybody that Kaepernick was, in fact, offered a contract, but he turned it down. So I just wanted to clarify that uh, to make that point. And when we come back, what I want to talk about also is John Kerry. We have all these phony investigations going on of collusion with the Russians to the point where we're all nauseous. We're sick and tired of it. It was a fig leaf, a phony straw man in order to try and take down the President of the United States. We all know this. If anybody colludes with the Russians, it's the Democrat Party. They used to collude with the old Soviet Union. The Lion of the Senate, Ted Kennedy. He colluded with the Soviet Union directly. They always did. They tried to protect Alger Hiss. He was a spy for the Soviet Union. So we we know the, the history of the Democrat Party. But John Kerry now is colluding with Iran, our enemy. The administration has taken a position different than his. And I want to know what we're going to do about it. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know what's amazing? The Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrats actually collude with the Russians. Of this, there is no doubt. John Kerry is colluding with the Iranians. Of this, there is no doubt. He's confessed. The Obama administration uses the instrumentalities of law enforcement and the intelligence agencies to interfere in the last election. Of this, there is no question. The Obama administration washes funds through the State Department to interfere in the election in Israel to try and topple Netanyahu. Of this, there's no question. And there's no special counsel. None. None. Each and every one of these, in and of themselves, a colossal scandal. Nothing. We have this story in the Washington Free Beacon, an excellent site. And uh, in this story, they cite an interview by my friend Hugh Hewitt, who actually secured John Kerry as a guest. And uh, it's a great piece by a great reporter, Adam Credo. Former Secretary of State John Kerry disclosed that he's been conducting rogue diplomacy with top Iranian officials to salvage the landmark nuclear deal and push the Islamic Republic to negotiate its contested missile program, according to recent remarks. Now, this is shocking. 
after the hurricane news, which is worthy news, substantive news, important information to convey to the American people, and particularly those in these areas, this should be story number two today. This. Kerry, in an interview with radio host Hugh Hewitt to promote his new book, said that he has met with Iranian former minister Javad Zarif, the former secretary's one-time negotiating partner, three or four times in recent months behind the Trump administration's back. I think I've seen him three or four times, Kerry said, adding that he has been conducting sensitive diplomacy without the current administration's authorization. Kerry said... He has criticized the current administration in these discussions, chiding it for not pursuing negotiations from Iran, despite the country's fevered rhetoric about the U.S. Kerry's comments are in line with previous reporting on his behind-the-scenes attempts to save the nuclear deal and ensure that Iran continues receiving billions in cash windfalls. These payments were brought to a halt by the Trump administration when it abandoned the nuclear agreement and reimposed harsh sanctions on Iran that have nearly toppled its economy and sparked a popular revolution. Uh, John Kerry is Benedict Arnold. That's what he is. He's Benedict Arnold. He did it during the Vietnam War, and he's doing it again. Kerry said he met Zarif in Norway, Munich, and other international forums. Zaran continues to plot terror attacks across the globe and transport weapons to regional hotspots in Syria and Yemen. Kerry has tried to help Zarif preserve the nuclear agreement with European nations. So we have a rogue shadow government here, ladies and gentlemen. A rogue shadow government. Just as Kerry's former colleague from Massachusetts, Ted Kennedy work closely with the Soviet regime against Ronald Reagan. Kerry is working closely with the Iranian regime against President Trump and the United States of America. What I've done is try to elicit from him, Zarif, what Iran might be willing to do to change the dynamic of the Middle East for the better, Kerry said. Now, he's a private citizen. He does one resolve. How does one resolve Yemen? What do you do to try and get peace in Syria? Those are the things that really are preoccupying him because those are the impediments to Iran's ability to convince people it's ready to embrace something different. Kerry said he has offered blunt talk to Zarif in order to push the regime to accept restrictions on its foreign interventionism. I've been very blunt to Foreign Minister Zarif. I told him, look... You guys need to recognize the world does not appreciate what's happening with missiles, what's happening with Hezbollah, what's happening with Yemen. You're supporting an ongoing struggle there. What an idiot. Like, they don't know that? They're terrorists. What an idiot. Iran has said they're prepared to negotiate and resolve these issues, but the Trump administration's taken a very different tack, says Kerry. Criticizing the current White House, Kerry lamented that it appears right now as if the administration is hell-bent to pursue a regime change strategy in Iran that would bring the economy down and try to isolate it further. Never known for being the uh, brightest bulb in the uh, chandelier. The former Secretary of State cautioned the current administration, saying the United States historically has not had a great record in regime change strategies. Number one, 
Number two, that makes it very difficult, if not impossible, for any Iranian leader to sit down and negotiate anything because they're not going to do it in a capitulatory situation. Iranian leaders have said multiple times in recent months they will not take any meetings with Trump or his administration. So here is John Kerry giving testimony against himself. Sally Yates, the former Deputy Attorney General of the United States, was waving around the Logan Act, which has never been used successfully and rarely been used since, since its earliest times against private citizens who interfere in diplomacy and American foreign policy. Yet they waved it around when it came to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. It was a pretext that the United States Department of Justice under Barack Obama used to try and set up General Flynn. In fact, Sally Yates raised it with the FBI director. Sally Yates raised it a lot, the Logan Act, knowing it had never been successfully used and had rarely been used since it was uh, instituted. And yet when it comes to John Kerry, nobody mentions it in the media. When it comes to collusion with an enemy, with an enemy, and undermining a sitting administration, John Kerry has done exactly that. He's given aid and comfort to the enemy. And I have to wonder, will there be a FISA warrant issued to surveil him now? To see what other activities he's been involved in. To see the extent to which he will continue his rogue diplomacy with the Iranian regime as he undermines our commander-in-chief. Would a FISA court judge quick to issue a warrant against Carter Page and Trump world, will they be quick to issue a warrant to surveil John Kerry, who should be surveilled now? Don't you think? I mean, there's, there's certainly enough information to justify it including his own unwitting confession. Never, nobody ever said he's the brightest person in the world. In fact, he's one of the dumbest. Then John Kerry, hawking a book, is on with Dana Perino on Fox. Let's hear how that went. Cut 12, go. How many times since you left office have you met with the Iranians or Iranian representatives? A few times, two or three times. And is now let's stop to- there. Two or three times. Did he not tell Hugh Hewitt three or four times, Mr. Producer? Wouldn't you know how many times you've met with a surrogate for the Iranian terrorist regime? I, I, that's just a, it's just a simple point. Go ahead. About the Iran nuclear deal? Well, it's to talk to them. No, it's to talk to them more importantly about their behavior and what are the ways forward in order to try to 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 um, redefine a security arrangement for the region that works for everybody. Yeah, but but you're not you're not an official of the United States government. The officials in the United States government have taken a position. It's not your position. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is why Barack Obama is hell-bent on seeing Donald Trump impeached and bogged down in investigations and subpoenas by his own party. What the Obama administration did 
in the lead up to the election and during the election to try and sabotage the Trump candidacy and what its surrogates are doing now. Absolutely unprecedented, unprecedented, as far as I know, in American history. Let's go back to Benedict Arnold, John Kerry. Go ahead. Iran is going to continue to meddle in Yemen or to meddle in other countries, Saudi Arabia, elsewhere, or fund Hezbollah, Mm -hmm. or mess around with Syria or be involved in Iraq. We have legitimate concerns. What people don't realize is, even in the agreement that we made with Iran with respect to their nuclear weapon, we kept the sanctions on missiles. We kept the sanctions on human rights abuses. We kept the sanctions on their transfer of weapons to Yemen. And we raised those sanctions several times. So we, we object as much as anybody those activities but we differ the sanctions were phony the sanctions were not instituted and the entire deal was bogus the entire deal was bogus so they could continue to be poised to effect a nuclear arsenal but don't worry we we place some sanctions in place the problem is whether the uh, Trump administration says so or not straightforwardly the regime needs to be toppled the regime needs to be toppled I know this this really upsets the code pink Republicans including one of whom was on Fox and several of whom have columns and websites and so forth but this regime needs to be toppled it is a terrorist regime it has killed American soldiers it is it has uh, uh, It is developing nuclear weapons. It will continue to develop nuclear weapons and ICBMs. The world doesn't end in five years or ten years. This is a regime that will continue to pursue them. Nuclear proliferation. And so the goal is to address that before they have missiles that can hit Chicago and Philadelphia and New York and Washington and Los Angeles and Houston and Dallas and Seattle, and Portland, and Detroit, and Miami, and every major metropolitan area in this country and everything in between and around. That's the point. I'll be right back. Mark CNN and MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, CBS, ABC, NBC, and their ilk. Do any of the uh, so-called reporters for any of these entities believe that John Kerry should be investigated for colluding with the Iranians? Do they? Investigated by committees of Congress, foreign affairs and intelligence committees? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump Jr. has been brutally attacked for having a meeting with some Russians, of which nothing came of it. Here we have a former Secretary of State under the former President of the United States actually negotiating with the former Foreign Minister of an enemy state negotiating behind the back of the existing administration. 
Now, what's what's worse when it comes to the United States? What's worse when it comes to basic ethics? John Kerry conducting a rogue foreign policy, interfering with the decisions of the current administration, or Don Jr. having a meeting with some Russians of which nothing came from the meeting. He was going to perhaps get some information which they didn't have. And we've heard all along, on and on and on, Don Jr., Don Jr. this, Don Jr. that, poor poor uh, Don Jr., I'll tell you what, there he is, colluding with the Russians. There it is, he's colluding. He ought to be indicted. Indicted for what? Meanwhile, there's John Kerry, big, dumb John Kerry, who already sold out the country with the Iran deal. Circling back. Uh, I think I had uh, two or three meetings. Well, you told Hugh Hewitt it was uh, three or four. Yeah, Who can count? Who can count? Well, was it two meetings, three meetings? For There, there, Mr. Mueller, you can investigate him. Get him for perjury and false statements. These people are never investigated. They never have criminal statutes over, uh, overhanging them. Ever. So here we have a meeting. One, two, three, at least four. Who the hell knows how many? Between John Kerry and a surrogate for the Iranian um, Islamo-Nazi regime. A sworn enemy of the United States that wants to build nuclear warheads that can hit our cities. Not some Iranian lawyer. And... (laughs) (laughs) nothing Zippo it's absolutely incredible it's like uh, Joe Biden's son and I think it's John Kerry's stepson a Heinz doing all kinds of business with the communist government of China Nobody cares. Nobody blinks an eye. Oh, Joe, Joe Biden, he should be the next nominee for the Democrat Party for President of the United States. The only guy dumber than Kerry is Joe Biden. It's a room full of stupid. Oh, that's okay. No problem. At least it's not the Russians. And I take a back seat to nobody on Vladimir Putin. And the Russians and the threat they pose for this country. And they do. Which is what makes this so crazy. Logan Act. Oh, the Logan Act. <laughs> Logan Act. No big deal. Mike Flynn. Yeah, get him with the Logan Act. Don Jr. has a... Uh, Turns out to be a pointless meeting with a few Russians. Look at that. He had meetings with with Russians. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Meetings with Russians. As if he agreed to give 20% of our uranium control over our uranium to Putin. Oh, no, that's Hillary. Oh, forget it. Shh. Hush. Hush. So John Kerry undermining the current Secretary of State. John Kerry undermining 
the President of the United States directly, repeatedly negotiating with the Iranians, caught red-handed, so to speak, stupidly confessing. Anybody care? I'll be right back. America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. President of the United States issued an executive order today, and along with it, a statement. I don't know if you've heard this today. Probably not. He said, today I took action to protect the integrity of the United States electoral system by signing an executive order to ensure that we can swiftly identify and punish any foreign interference in our elections. So I've made clear the United States will not tolerate any form of foreign meddling in our elections. This executive order requires the intelligence community and other federal agencies to assess the extent of any foreign interference after every United States election. The United States determines that any foreign meddling has occurred. The executive order ensures a quick, forceful, and proportionate response. Specifically, The executive order authorizes appropriate and meaningful sanctions. Some are full blocking sanctions. Others are to be designed and calibrated in light of specific facts against any individual, foreign entity, or country that authorizes, directs, sponsors, or otherwise supports foreign interference in a United States election. The executive order also directs the executive branch to develop a uniform process for assessing and determining foreign interference in United States elections. In the United States, primary responsibility for managing elections resides with the state, territory, and local authorities. The federal government, however, plays an essential role in identifying and deterring foreign interference and supporting state and local officials to secure election infrastructure. When it comes to foreign policy, my administration has delivered decisively and taken action where previous administrations have not. By signing this executive order, I'm adding to my record of implementing the strongest measures to date of any United States president to protect our electoral system. And as we enter election season this fall, the American people can rest assured that we are working diligently to ensure that our democracy remains secure from foreign threats. Does that sound like somebody who would collude with any government against his own government, against his own people. Is this not so absurd, these allegations, and how they started, and then they were perpetuated by the media? Donald Trump is like a super patriot. He's mocked for it. And... The notion that he would do a John Kerry or a Ted Kennedy and collude with a foreign government is just absurd on its face. And here he is making it clear to any individual, group, or government that once we have an election and we find out you interfered with it in any way, uh, you will feel our wrath. Now, I didn't hear Andrea Mitchell talking about this today. Now, I must confess, it's not like I hang on her every report. I don't hang on any of her reports. 
But if Barack Obama had done this, Barack Obama did the opposite. He kept quiet from the American people the fact of Russian interference until just a few days before the election, a week or so, when it looked like Hillary was in trouble. He kept it secret. They were given stand-down orders. Don't, don't really engage the Russians. We've never really gotten to the bottom of what, if anything, the Obama administration did to confront Russian interference in our election. It's amazing. You would have thought Donald Trump was president of the United States, the way they try and wrap it around his throat. It's unbelievable. It wasn't his administration. It was the Obama administration. It wasn't his CIA director, his FBI director, his attorney general, his secretary of state. It was theirs. And they did butkus. Purposely. Because they didn't want to taint Hillary's predicted victory, you see. Every time you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information. You see this, right? When you go on a website, all of a sudden something pops up and go, wait a minute. I visited that that shoe store before. Or how do they know I'm interested or looking for XYZ? Because they track you. That's how. Plus the NSA spies on literally everything. So how can you actually protect yourself? Computer experts recommend using a VPN. The software I use is called ExpressVPN, and it makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online. All of you. They're rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. These days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up, and afterwards, they run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. It couldn't be any easier. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. That means nobody, nobody can record or access your online activity. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spy agencies and protect your ISP, I'm telling you how you can do it. Visit our friends at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark. And by the way, get their special offer, three months free with a one-year package. Three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. You don't have to. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark right away. Okay, let's see who's out there who would like to chat. Phone lines are full as usual. Here we go. Krista, Folsom, Louisiana on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hello, Mr. Levin. It is a pleasure to talk to you. Thank um you. I was just calling to say what what I don't understand about what Carrie is doing and why people aren't stopping him is what incentive would Iran have to sit down and speak with Donald Trump if John Kerry is still running over there saying, what do you need to talk to us? We'll mm-hmm. do anything, please. Just like they did with the initial negotiations. They gave them everything, kept nothing back, and claimed it as a victory. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you what else Kerry's doing over there, which is why he needs to be yanked in front of Congress and put under oath. 
He's telling the Iranians, I have no question about this. Just wait out Trump, that we're going to take out Trump, that we, the American people, think he's a clown, that the media think he's a clown, that the Democrats think he's a clown, that half the Republicans think he's a clown. And we're going to we're going to defeat them in the midterm election. We're going to force him out. And if we don't force him out, we'll make sure he's so badly crippled and handicapped that he can't possibly win reelection. So wait him out. I am telling you, this man needs to be put under oath and asked exactly what took place. I mean, if he had had a meeting with the Russians and it turned out to be nothing, he damn Noel would be indicted by now. This guy has been working with the Iranians behind the back of this administration. That is a big deal. And thank you, Krista, for your excellent points. I appreciate it. Let's continue. Drew. Monterey, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, thank you, sir. Uh, you know, I've got to disagree with you. I, I see Kerry as more of a, a Neville Chamberlain than a Benedict Arnold. You know, he's more buffoonish like Neville Chamberlain. And I, I wonder who's asked him to do this, you know, because it sounds to me the way he's speaking. So you don't he, think he's a turncoat. You just think he's buffoonish. <laughs> oh, no, no. Absolutely. I think he's a turncoat. And that's what I was about to say. Well, never Chamberlain wasn't a turncoat. He didn't join Hitler. You know, Benedict Arnold actually was, and he joined the monarchy. Yeah. Well, it seems to me Kerry's more acting as a consultant to the Iranians rather than representing America. And just that's what you just said, basically, that he's telling them what to do to get exactly what they want. He's not negotiating mm-hmm. what we need for us. It's, John it's, Kerry represents the hard left and the deep state, as we call it, the administrative state over at the State Department. And um, you remember, uh, back, I think it was 1970, I think it was actually 71, his testimony in front of the uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee with uh, Fulbright, right, where he uh, trashed the American soldiers in Vietnam and he also went around the back of our government and dealt with the Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. You remember all that? I, I was before my time, but I did see that, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. I don't know, are we even able to pull up that audio at this point, Mr. Producer? I don't mean to throw you a uh, knuckleball. We'll take a look at the break. Let us continue. Bruce, St. Pete, Florida, XM Satellite, Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for taking my call. You and I you have bet. spoke many times before. Quick, let's right. get quickly to the point. Quick point. Uh, Donald Trump, actually, Pompeo over State Department, can do one action unilaterally immediately. Revoke John Kerry's passport. And they should also do this for any of these other jokers from previous administrations who are illegally engaging in foreign policy and undermining the United States. Very simple action. And and you'd see how fast the media would come to the defense. I'm just pointing out to the defense of John Kerry. And the media have exposed themselves time and time and time and time again. They don't support a free press. They support the ideological left. They use the platforms of a free press, the protections of a free press, of which they have had nothing to strengthen. They've done nothing to strengthen them in order to advance their cause. All right, Bruce, I appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
cut off ears, cut off heads, taped wires from portable telephones to human genitals and turned up the power, cut off limbs, blown up bodies, randomly shot at civilians, raised villages in fashion reminiscent of Genghis Khan, shot cattle and dogs for fun, poisoned food stocks, and generally ravaged the countryside of South Vietnam. There is uh, John D. Kerry, 1971, I recall, in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee with a broad character assassination of Vietnam vet, excuse me, Vietnam soldiers, American soldiers in Vietnam, I should say. And he also colluded with the North Koreans and the Vietnamese. So he's got a pattern here. You know, if you've been uh, watching the confirmation hearings from Judge Kavanaugh last week, I think you'll agree that it's a prime example of how some in the Senate abuse their power and frankly make a joke out of Congress in general. If you're wondering how Congress is supposed to work and how it got this bad, then you need to take Hillsdale College's groundbreaking new online free course, Congress, how it used to work and why it doesn't. Hillsdale College teaches about our government and founding documents better than anyone. And because they have a mission to help preserve America, they turn their excellent classroom teaching into online courses that you can take for free. In this new course, you learn exactly what Congress should be doing and what it shouldn't, how it got to the states in today, and how we can start to restore a more constitutional Congress. The course is free to you, my listeners, and when you pre-register... You'll reserve your place for when it launches on Constitution Day, September 17th. Now, that's next week, and that's coming fast, so I want you to try and register quickly. And here's how you do it. You go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com right now, and just register. It's free, so reserve your spot today. levinforhillsdale.com. Genghis Khan. It's Genghis Khan. You know, I watched a, uh, I wouldn't call it a documentary, but a uh, historical program, uh, and not too long ago. And the program was about the 10 biggest mass murders in world history. The 10 biggest mass murders in world history. Do you know who the biggest one, Mr. Producer, was? Genghis Khan. That is, Genghis Khan. And I want you to think about this, folks. No guns. No gunpowder. He killed 9% of the world's population. Can you believe that, Mr. Producer? He killed 9% of the world's population. Enormous. All on horseback, with arrows, with spears, with swords, with knives. Pillaged, pillaged, pillaged as he conquered so much of the earth, the planet earth. It's absolutely incredible. It's sickening, obviously, but it's incredible. It's amazing 
also who is remembered throughout history. Some people who've done great things, but so many people who've done horrible things, if you think about it. Uh, let us go to Sam, Akron, Ohio, on Sirius Satellite. Go. Hello, Dr. Levine. It's been a while. I spoke to you a couple of months ago. How are you? Good. Thank you, sir. Great. Uh, Kerry, Kerry is useless. He is not supposed to be doing what he's, what he's doing right now. He is not part of this administration. He's just trying to make himself relevant. That's all it is. Ignore him. Please, just ignore no, him. No, I can't ignore somebody who undermines uh, the existent the existing administration in such a fundamental way. That PLO office, thank God Trump closed it. I spoke to you about this a couple of months ago. It was a great move. The next step he has to do is remove the Palestinian Authority from the West Bank and and allow the Palestinians... All right, all right. The president's not going to remove them from uh, Judea or Samaria. He doesn't even have the power to do that. He, He just, just, well, the best thing to do is not support them. UN, UN, the UNRWA, when they stopped supporting Well, he it. just defunded that. He just cut our funds to the UNRWA. Uh, okay, that's uh, slowly, slowly, you got to strangle them. That's all, that's all. What? Well, I don't know what else he can do. He's cut those funds. We've cut American tax dollars going to um, the subsidizing of uh, terrorists over there. All, these fund- all this funding was going on. He just shut the PLO office. He's working very, very closely with Israeli intelligence and, and military, unlike uh, the Obama administration, which undermined them. He has supported uh, their efforts publicly. He cut the Iran deal. He's moved the embassy. I mean, it's not he has to do this. He has to do that. We need to sit back and just look and say what he's done is absolutely remarkable and incredibly courageous. Do you remember Abbas said when he moved the embassy to Jerusalem, they're going to be, there's going to be violence and, and, and street violence? The past. Did anything happen? Nothing happened. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's listening to these people anymore. The Palestinians want peace. They want to raise their kids. They want, they want to educate their kids. That's all they want. You want to put, put, put us with Jordan? We'll go with Jordan. Put us with Israel? We'll go with Israel. Just don't leave these animals. Now, are you in. Palestinian? I am Palestinian. I was and, born and, you know, and then you know... What crooks run these damn governments over there? I could, I could tell you stories because I've lived there for over 10 years, and I couldn't handle it, so I came back here. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was. The, the Adam, these animals, since the 19... You know, you know this as well as I do. How much money have they raised since the 1990s over there? Well, I don't know. Billions. Billions. Where has that money gone, Dr. <laughs> Levine? You're quite Where right. You're quite right. Well, Sam, you're a good man. You really are. And I, I appreciate it. The, the Palestinian people are being brutalized by Hamas, by Fatah, the PLA, if you prefer. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Just to show you what kind of a person Bernie Sanders really is here. 
Bernie Sanders' son was running in the Democrat primary for the first district nomination for Congress in Vermont. And he lost badly. Democrat Levi Sanders fell short of his bid for Congress Tuesday night after somehow failing to secure the endorsement of his famous dad, Senator Bernie Sanders. The primary, uh, the first congressional district in New Hampshire, went to Chris Pappas, who defeated 10 other rivals, including the younger Sanders, a Social Security benefits specialist. Sanders, 49, was always considered a long shot, particularly after his dad didn't come out to support him. So here's what happened. Bernie Sanders' son decides to run in this primary, but he's a long shot. So Bernie Sanders decides not to endorse his son because in case he loses, it would look bad for Bernie Sanders. If my son or daughter or stepson or stepdaughter were running for office in a crowded primary, I would endorse them. They're good people, they're conservatives, but they're blood. Right, Mr. Producer? I mean, can you believe this? I just wanted to point this out. That the, that this is the kind of guy this is. Now, in the New York Post, American voters by a 56 to 36 percent margin said they do not want Congress to impeach President Trump, according to a new poll released today. Although they back Democratic candidates over Republicans by 14 percentage points. And folks, that's going to be up to you to make them uh, eat their own words on that. If you turn out in big numbers, none of these polls matter. They don't want Congress to take action against Trump, a Quinnipiac University national poll said. American voters don't want Congress to tell President Trump you're fired by serving him with articles of impeachment, said Tim Malloy, assistant director of the poll. But the survey showed that voters 72 to 18 percent disapprove the job Congress is doing. And by a 58 to 27 percent margin, believe the legislative body should be more of a check on the president. Republicans, by a 62 to 11 percent margin, say Congress is doing enough. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If we don't make gains in the Senate, I'm not talking about losing the Senate. If we don't make gains in the Senate, You know who's that, whose shoulders that falls on more than anybody else? Mitch McConnell. I don't know how this guy gets away without criticism. I mean, obviously, I'm his greatest critic. But all these other hosts and on TV and these columnists and these never-Trumpers, they love this guy, Mitch McConnell. What the hell has he done? Well, Mark, we got the nominations of so-and-so. No, 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 no. Harry Reid got us Neil Gorsuch. And Harry Reid will get Brett Kavanaugh. Because Harry Reid is an idiot. He changed the rules so they couldn't filibuster Supreme Court nominees. Now, in the past, the tradition was not to filibuster Supreme Court nominees. But we know with the radical left kooks uh, that uh, make up the uh, leadership of the Democrat Party, they don't care about tradition. Unless it's their own. It is effectively 
not literally, a Molotov cocktail party now. Because they're throwing Molotov cocktails in every direction. Political ones, of course. And there's a great piece of conservative review by Nate Madden. And Nate Madden writes, As if Republicans weren't concerned enough about the future of their majority in the House of Representatives after the upcoming midterm elections, it appears that they have to share some of that anxiety with the Senate as well. Stories over at the Washington Post and Roll Call highlight new GOP concerns that the Senate might actually flip blue this November. Now, we don't know, but he's pointing out what they're saying. I hope when the smoke clears, we'll still have a majority, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told reporters. Now, now listen to that. Does that sound like a general? Does that sound like a statesman? Does that sound like a leader of any... Uh, I hope uh, when the smoke clears here, uh, we'll still have a majority. I mean, we're doing all kinds of bipartisan spending and deficits and debt. Still have Obamacare. We don't have the war. We've been working hard with the Democrats. We've got bipartisanship going on here. Now, these reports may come as a surprise to those who thought that a favorable election map would allow the Senate GOP to sail into a more comfortable majority next year. But it's not that big a surprise. The real question is what Senate Republicans will actually do with the information. You understand a third of the Senate is up and the Republicans only have to defend 10 seats. It's a spectacular alignment for the Republicans. Well, it's Trump and it's Trump and it's... No, it's McConnell, McConnell, McConnell. And it is the Republican leadership in the Senate. They are gutless. Absolutely gutless. All they have with just this tiny, simple majority. Hey, look. Schumer does more in the minority some days on some issues than McConnell does with the majority. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the excuses. You want to fire up the base. You want to fire up even suburban voters. You want to fire up people to vote for you. Then give them a reason. Now, one of the reasons is to stop the other side. But you need, in a lot of cases, to give other people more of a reason. Well, they gave us the tax cuts. Good. If you control Congress and you're the Republican Party and you don't cut taxes, then what the hell good are you at all? Most of the advances that are taking place are initiated out of the White House or they're done by the White House, quite frankly. But it's been pathetic. And I don't know what the hell happened to the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Where's he been for the last two or three months? He's going to to seminars, think tanks, giving speeches. Where the hell is the guy? I don't know. I had a lot of hope and promise for Paul Ryan. I really did. He came out of the conservative movement. Uh, he embraced Jack Kemp and his his sort of thinking and all. And when he was the budget chairman or maybe he was head of ways and means, he had some very solid proposals on entitlement reform and everything. Become speaker. Dead end. Dead end. We have very weak leaders currently in the Republican Party in the House and in the Senate. They're very weak. There's some standouts, but for the most part, those who manage to claw their way up the leadership ladder are very weak. 
And as they say, the proof is in the pudding. And I'm lactose intolerant. I don't even eat pudding. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you sit back and you watch what's going on in the world through the lens of television, whether it is so-called news or entertainment, sometimes you just have to laugh. These clowns in the news media pretend they're objective and they're nonpartisan. And they'll do something here and there to try and demonstrate that they are. But this president has exposed every last one of them. Every last one of them. Every day on TV, every afternoon on TV, every night on TV, they're jumping out of their clothes. I've never seen anything like it. They're so full of your predictable liberal hate. And they spew it. They ask questions that are statements and then put a question mark on the end of it. Like you're so stupid, you don't understand what they're doing. The manner in which they choose guests, it's so obvious. The more outrageous the professor, the more idiotic the politician. And they don't care, they'll even pick a porn star. They'll even pick a porn star's lawyer, doesn't matter. And better yet, if the people who voted for Trump are smeared and character assassinated, better yet. And they're, they're so out of the closet, it's just unbelievable. It's almost hilarious. It's like perhaps going to the Hamptons and watching them in August. Or where else? Hollywood, Beverly Hills. It's, it's just, it's, you're, getting the, you're, you're actually getting to see the real real here. They put up these facades because they're phonies. And they just cannot control themselves. They just cannot they just cannot control themselves. And they will be forever wearing their own scarlet letters. They actually tattooed these scarlet letters on themselves without any help from us. Without any help from us. So the hate, you know, they're they're stereotypical leftists. You even watch clips from John Le- uh, uh, Don Lemon. Nobody actually watches his show. That guy is a left-wing kook. Incredible. And you can go on and on down the list. You know, there is a big story today. But we get so worn down by this stuff that I decided to save it toward the end. Stroke page. You remember Peter Stroke, Lisa Page? Texts reveals there were leaking like mad in the lead-up to the Trump-Russia probe. Others were leaking like mad. Others out of the FBI. That's how corrupt the left is. Corrupted the upper echelons of the FBI. Corrupted the upper echelons of the intelligence agencies. Corrupted the upper echelons of the State Department, corrupted the upper echelons of the entire federal project. 
from Brooke Singman. New text messages between ex-FBI employees Peter Stroke and Lisa Page reveal others were, quote, leaking like mad, unquote, in the run-up to the Trump-Russia collusion probe, according to new communications between the former lovers obtained exclusively by Fox News. Imagine if we had a special counsel here. Be a lot easier to get the information. Jeff Sessions could appoint a special counsel. Rod Rosenstein could appoint a special counsel, but they won't. Got some guy in Utah that we've never heard from since. Hey, I'm going to appoint the guy in Utah, the U.S. attorney, to investigate this. Good. I hope he gets around to it in five or six years. A lengthy exchange dated December 15, 2016, appears to reveal a potential leak operation for political purposes. Oh, remind me to tell you tomorrow about the Times doing a story about the MC hacks, Page texted Stroke. And more than they already did. I told you, Quinn told me, they're uh, pulling out all the stops on some story, Stroke replied. A source told Fox News Quinn could be referring to Richard Quinn, who serves as the chief of the media and investigative public publicity section in the Office of Public Affairs. Quinn could not be reached for comment. Stroke again replied, think our sisters have begun leaking like mad, scorned and worried and political. They're kicking into overdrive. In one passage, Stroke apparently misreads a reference to MC as MC and then realizing his error blames old man eyes. It is unclear at this point to whom Stroke was referring when he used the term sisters. Think our sisters have begun leaking like mad, scorned and worried and political? They're kicking into overdrive. Retired FBI special agent and former FBI national spokesman John Anarelli told Fox News it could be a reference to another government agency. See, see, now the excuses come in. The spin comes in. Why can't we take these texts at face value? We already know McCabe approved leaks, and he's under criminal investigation. We already know Stroke was a leaker. We already know Page was a leaker. We already know Comey was a leaker. Now we're to believe that somebody at the Agriculture Department, they're talking about a leaker over there? The, 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 the use of the FBI this way. You want to talk about fascistic, Mr. Tubin? You want to talk about fascistic, Mr. Lemon? Or any of the other clowns dressed up as journalists? And they could care less. I guarantee you they're not even reporting on this. And if they do report on this, they'll use Stroke's lawyer spin. No, no, no. They were identifying a problem. Oh, hell they were. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we got to get Donald Trump. Now, we are uniquely qualified here on this program to dig into this impeachment issue, just so you know. Uniquely qualified. You're listening to somebody who read the transcript with others in his office at the Landmark Legal Foundation of the Andrew Johnson impeachment trial. No other host has done that. And has so thoroughly investigated and researched this issue of impeachment, going back to British common law and so forth, that we will be able to, and we will speak to it like nobody else. We are armed with knowledge and information, and the brass knuckles are on. This is where they want to take us, then we will duke it out. We will duke it out. 
You know, I read some of my friends, and they are my friends, who are still entrenched never-Trumpers. Despite so many excellent things this president has done. And they dismiss, well, of course he's done excellent things, but, you know. Anyway. And they do not comprehend the gravity of trying to remove a sitting president simply because people do not like him for a variety of reasons. They do not appreciate the gravity of reversing the course of an election in this way and the searing and lasting damage that will do to a republic. They write their books, they write their columns, they put their posts up, some of my buddies at National Review and some at other places, and I read them, not all of them, and from time to time, but, but they, they don't get it. They'll tell us that society is crumbling. In many ways it is. They'll tell us that the progressives have won. In many ways they have. And yet, when it comes to a choice, when it comes to a situation like the one we face today, they have difficulty actually taking sides. And it does matter. It does matter. You don't have to agree with this president all the time. I don't even think family members agree with him all the time. And he may change his mind from time to time. That's not the point. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. Man, oh man, I've got so much to cover and no time left. You know, I've had my share of mechanics calling me saying they found something wrong that needs replacing when I've taken my car in for a simple oil change. Those surprise high repair bills are terrible. Especially when you're not covered by a manufacturer's warranty and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix them. That's why I strongly encourage you to get extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair costs. Now, how do I know? Because I have a 2010 Camaro. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. When you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free and get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Get CarShield. It's simple. Call 800-CAR-6100, 800-CAR-6100, and mention code LEVIN, or visit CarShield.com. That's CarShield.com. Again, mention code LEVIN, and you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100. Code Levin, save 10%. A deductible may apply. It's the best extended vehicle protection out there. I've got it. i got to figure out how much of this I should discuss. We have a great couple of guests, two guests. I never had more than two on Life, Liberty, and Levin 
this Sunday. Bradley Smith, the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission. So we can walk through some of the some of the issues that are that are coming and have come with respect to the president and, and all that phony stuff in the Southern District of New York and Greg Jarrett, like you've never seen him before. So I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So we'll join you there on Sunday. And I think uh, the, the show with John Voigt that you saw on Sunday, or many of you did, some of you didn't, that will be re-aired at 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. There's a lot of talk about Google and Facebook and Amazon and the like, that these are sort of unstoppable monopolies. Unstoppable monopolies. And I've said many times before, I really don't want the government to regulate them. I really don't. Because I believe that capitalism will solve the issue. Capitalism will solve the issue. There's always the next thing. There's always the next technology. There's always the next internet. You know, when the Bell Telephone Company existed, nobody thought that anything would be bigger than Bell Telephone. Well, there is. It's the iPhone. When the railroad was built from one part of the country to the other, nobody thought anything would replace the railroad. Well, many things have. And you can go down the list. The government... And the media, and even some so-called conservatives in the media, sell short the American people and sell short the capitalist system. They sound more and more like socialist populists. Government control, government this, government that. When government controls, government controls knowledge. When government controls, government controls thinking. It's like we've talked about. Climate change. Well, I don't believe in climate change. You're a denier. That's it. No discussion. That's what happens when government controls something. Net neutrality is not about net neutrality. It is about government control. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, there are things that are being conjured up now, things that are being seriously considered by very smart people that one day could, in an eye view, will jump frog the existing internet infrastructure and these these huge corporations that have uh, sprung from them. And I'm not against these corporations. I'm just saying that it's really quite interesting if you look at what the, the, the well, I don't want to say too much, but I guess the point is this. <clears throat> I'll save it for later. I don't know of any monopoly that's remained a monopoly for long, even without the antitrust laws. ExxonMobil is no longer the largest corporation in America. Is it? And yet it was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. We can go down the whole list. There's a brilliant man out there. A man who I've respected since I was a young man. And he wrote a book that I read way back when called Wealth and Poverty. 
His name is George Gilder. And he's written a magnificent book called Life After Google. But anyway, you shouldn't fret about this. You shouldn't get so worked up that you can't sleep at night. This is why I am an unabashed capitalist. Because capitalism works. Because capitalism embraces knowledge. Because capitalism moves money where money should go. I wrote a whole book on rediscovering Americanism and the tyranny of progressivism. Progressivism is a tyranny. The extent to which it is is followed and established determines the extent of the tyranny. But progressivism is a knowledge killer. It's an idea killer. It is a production killer. It is a creativity killer because you have these masterminds. I think I've written this in two or three books now. You have these masterminds who oppose their will on you and me because they claim to have an expertise. And yet, what is their expertise exactly? You look at our massive bureaucracy. And I'm not putting people down. I'm just saying, look at our massive bureaucracy. The, the progressive model, at least 100 and some years ago, was we're going to create this, this administrative state, all kinds of experts. We're going to be able to collect all the knowledge that is out there to be collected and to make these really smart decisions for the community, the nation. Well, what makes bureaucrats smarter than people in the private sector? Nothing. And how do people in office buildings in Washington, D.C., or the environs, have more information than people collectively all over the country? They don't. They don't. And why are their decisions more noble than decisions by individuals or group of individuals who know more about themselves and know more about their local community and know more about the products they want to create than anybody could possibly know in one of these buildings in Washington, D.C.? Well, those decisions aren't noble. So we should embrace capitalism and private property rights. They go hand in hand with individual liberty and liberty, period. This is very, very important. Very, very important. You don't have to fear these monopolies. They're not going to be monopolies in 10 years. They're not. Look at the newspaper business. There was a time when everyone feared the New York Times. I don't fear the New York Times. I don't care what they write about me. Do you care? Do you fear the New York Times? Probably don't even read it. I don't even read it. How about the Washington Post? Do you fear it? I don't fear it. Do you know who the modern pamphleteers are? You remember the Colonial Times pamphleteers? It's the blogger. And we have more bloggers than you could possibly know. It's the blogger. They're the modern day pamphleteers. They don't deserve more praise than anybody else. They're not better than anybody else, but there they are. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them are as as nutty as a fruitcake. Okay, fine. Who cares? But you don't have to fear these monopolies because if you believe in economic progress as opposed to political progressivism, if you believe 
and embrace capitalism. Monopolies come and monopolies go. I can't think of a single monopoly that existed 100 years ago that exists today. Can you? Can you, Mr. Producer? Steel needs to be subsidized. That's what we're told. That's what we're told. So uh, these monopolies, such as they are, Google, people who do research, 90% of the people who do research online use Google. Amazon, obviously, right now is the biggest corporation on the planet. Bezos is the wealthiest man on the planet. But he won't always be. He won't always be. And he knows it. That's why he's trying to take Amazon in multiple different directions. And one of the reasons they won't be is not only because of advances in technology through capitalism, but also because of government. And you see it now. Holding hearings on these different uh, monopolies. Conservatives demanding that these monopolies be controlled. And they may succeed. But there are other people out there working on alternatives. Working on something else. That's what's so great about a dynamic economic system. It creates jobs, it creates opportunities, it creates wealth, it improves our standard of living, it does all those things. It does all those things. More on this in about a week or ten days. I'll be right back. Mark in. You know, Mr. Producer, he was such a fan of my ex-chair, we finally decided it was time that he, he owned one. And so now Mr. Producer has an ex-chair, and he loves it. Now, Mr. Producer and I are different heights. I'm tall, he's not. We have different bodies. Mine's kind of cool. His is, well, questionable. I'm just kidding. Yet how the X-chair conforms to each of us to provide the same unbelievable level of support and comfort is really incredible. And Mr. Producer is physically feeling the difference. We talk about this. Less pain, more energy, better focus, more productivity, etc. Same with me. Same with me. I sit in a chair for seven hours a day, and you're not supposed to. But in this chair, it's A-OK. You need to feel the X-chair difference for yourself. You really do. And if you want to see how beautiful this amazing chair is, just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, to see the numerous models. They have different models for you to look at. Now, if you own a business, take my advice. If you want happier, more productive employees like Mr. Producer, then consider getting X chairs for your entire staff. It's a very reasonable investment that will pay huge dividends. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Now, that's for you only, my listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So go to xchair.com now. And if you really want to uh, hit a grand slam, you go to xshare.com. 
That is xchairlevin.com. Use code LEVINFOOTREST, and you'll get a free footrest, which I'm using right now. xchairlevin.com. Use code LEVINFOOTREST and get a free footrest. That's xchairlevin.com. You're going to love it. I mean, even when you look at this business, I'm in the radio business. There's a radio virtually in every automobile. That's over 300 million. And yet there are other platforms that have developed. Satellite. Satellite. Online listening. You can download the Mark Levin app. Or you can listen to the podcast. And this industry that I'm in has had to adjust. And it is adjusting. So it's getting into the podcast business. And into the online business and so forth. And who knows what will happen 10 years from now. But you actually have people who are broadcasting. Really from any room in their house or any room in their business. At a minimal cost for the infrastructure. And that's how they do it. Without a middleman. Without a middleman. So this industry is changing in significant ways. Look at television. Television's changing too. Look at television production. You have television and you now have digital television, right? CRTV, Levin TV is digital television. A whole new world. Who would have thought of a Netflix 15 years ago? Or a Hulu, or any of those. Who would have thought of that 15, 15 years ago? Certainly not on a wide basis. So there may be monopolies. They're very temporary in a dynamic economy. Very temporary. That is why we must fight to retain capitalism. That is why we must fight those who claim to support something called democratic socialism. They kill knowledge. They kill productivity. They kill creativity. And they impose their own will. Not just on the economy, but what's between your ears. You're not allowed to disagree with them. You're not allowed to dispute them. And you have a growing police state over time. These monopolies will come and these monopolies will go. They always do. And they always will. As long as we have a dynamic, capitalist, market-oriented system. That embraces knowledge. One of the attractive features of socialism is the propaganda that goes with it. Socialism promises certainty. Socialism is risk averse. Liberty generally does not. Liberty generally does not. So when you hear these socialists, Marxists, progressives, whatever they call themselves, talk about equality, you should run as fast as you can. They're not talking about equality under the law. They're talking about economic equality. Economic equality is destitution. It's poverty. It's dread. One of the great things, of many great things, that John Voigt said on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox this Sunday was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the way he explained that phrase, pursuit of happiness, honestly, I never heard it explained the way he explained it. 
you go into these socialist, Marxist, whatever you want to call them, societies, are people happy? No. They're staring at their feet. They're quiet. They don't want to cause any trouble. They go along to get along. Uniformity is okay. They have no choice. They're unhappy. They're not living happy lives. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what these societies do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We've covered a lot of territory. Been a lot of fun, though. And we will see you tomorrow. Hang in there, and God bless you.